This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. You know, uh, we are going to start a series of teachings uh, for some time on God's purpose in the family. So we're going to spend some time with this. And I'm going to deal with the subtopic of the purpose and call of the family. The purpose and the call of the family. Now, I do have some um, key scriptures. Now, we're not going to go to them, I don't believe, today because I want to set the stage before we get to them. But if you're writing notes down, again, we're talking about the purpose and call of the family. The key scriptures are Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Genesis 18, verses 17 through 19, and Galatians 3 and 29. Again, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Genesis 18, chapter 18, verses 17 through 19. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. They are on the notes for you. Now, as we get into this, I do want to make this statement. And I would prefer that you keep the statement in your mind throughout the whole of this teaching. Not just my section, but all that we're going to be ministering on. We are coming from, and we always do, the standard of God. And the standard of God does not change. Though we do. Amen? And, and you know, we understand change is inevitable. But we know that all change is not godly change. And when God has a standard and we move away from that standard... That's change, and that is not good change. That's not godly change. So God's standard doesn't move, even though we get away from his standard. And what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on God's standard. And when you see God's standard, and you see you not standing in the place where God's standards say you should be, don't be condemned. It is today. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't get caught up in condemnation. See, when we talk about the family union, we talk about a husband and a wife, you might be divorced. But you can't go back. And God knows where you are. God has not rejected you or turned you away because you're not standing in his standard presently. What we're going to do is we're going to see what God wants. And we're going to take what God wants in our present position and move forward. You understand me with that? Because sometimes when we minister these things, people who are... In a place where, you know, they didn't know or they made bad choices and now they're someplace else, they, they feel condemned. Don't do that. You're missing the whole point of this. You know, wh- what we're trying to do is establish you so that going forward you can stay in God's will. Stay in this perfect place so that those who come after you might see you and know how they ought to live. Uh, so we're all together with that one. So keep that in your mind. And what we're going to do, and you'll see if you read those scriptures, we're going to use Abraham as an example because we want to see purpose. And Abraham is going to be our example so that we can see purpose. But before we get into that, now if you're going to turn anywhere, turn to 1 John chapter 2. And actually put your ribbon there. 1 John chapter 2. So we're going to talk about the purpose and call of the family. And Abraham is going to be our example so that we can see purpose. But before we get into that, there are two key terms that I want to Make sure we spend some time on I want to spend a little bit of time on purpose, and then I want to talk about the world. Okay? So those are the two key terms, purpose 
and the world. Now, when we talk about purpose, and again, I'm, I'm going to try not to spend too long on purpose because I want to spend some time talking about the world so we understand some things. And, and when we go through it, I, I know by the time we get into the midst of it, you may be asking, what does this have to do with the purpose and call of the family? Stay tuned. You know, listen to the whole message. All right. Don't just come for Father's Day. Come for the Sunday after Father's Day and then the Sundays after that and then just get the whole message, right? God just doesn't speak on Father's Day. God just doesn't speak on Mother's Day. God just doesn't speak on Easter. God speaks all the time if you give him your ear. Uh, but when we talk about purpose, purpose, that word is a compound word. The first part, P-U-R, uh, means aim, A-I-M, or intention. Aim or intention. So that's the first part. And the second part, P-O-S-E, uh, it means... Uh, to put, to place, or to position. So you have an aim, an intention, combined with putting, placing, and positioning. It's purpose. Okay. Now, if you were to look it up in the dictionary, I'll give you some definitions. You don't have to write these definitions down because I'm going to use these definitions to get to our working definition. But if you look it up in the dictionary, when they define purpose, purpose is Defined as, A, the reason for which something exists or is done. Made, used, or whatever. Right? It's the reason for which something exists or is done, made, used, or whatever it is. Purpose is, B, an intended or desired result. It's an end. It's a goal. Okay? Again, you don't have to write these down. We're getting to a place. I just want to make sure you understand because these things all do come together. Purpose is the reason for which something exists or is done, made, used. It's an intended or desired result. It's a goal. Uh, C, it is determination. It's resoluteness. It's what's been determined. Okay. And it is D, the subject in hand, the point at issue. It, it, this is the point. That, that's the purpose. This is the main point. And E, it is the practical result, effect, or advantage. The practical result, effect, or advantage. So if you were to look it up in the dictionary, you see all these definitions. And you put these, all things, these things all together and you look at God, his word, and his will. Here's our working definition. Purpose is the intent of the design, the model, and or the position. And if you write anything down, write that down. Purpose is the intent of the design, the model, and are the position. And know this, and we've learned this here, God is a God of purpose. When he moves, there's a goal in mind. When he moves, there's a reason. When he moves, there's an intent. When he creates, there's an intent. When he puts it together, there's an intent. <laughs> so, Purpose is the intent of the design. It's the intent of the model and our position. See, when it's designed, the, intent, the designer had an intent behind the design. When it's modeled, the, the designer, the, the modeler had an intent for that model. When the creator puts it in a place, he has an intent for it being in that position. So that's purpose. God is a God of purpose. There's an intent behind what he has done. Now here's what we need to know. 
God designed male and female to the intent that the family would pass down the knowledge of God from generation to generation. Amen. I mean, you know, you can just stop and sit there and just spend all year long just on that. Because in our minds, this is not in family. When I say our minds, I don't mean you in particular, but in general. We, we don't equate family in passing down the knowledge of God. I dare say, oh my goodness, let me not go on a tangent because I want to get someplace, but I dare say, and I, we've said it all along, this is the problem with our present time. It's because we moved away from the intent of the design, the model, and the position. But God designed male and female to the intent that the family would pass down the knowledge of God from generation to generation. He's just not a God of purpose. He's a generational God. He's God throughout all generations. He's God whether or not your family recognizes it or not. But your family ought to recognize it. And God designed the family. God designed male and female. Hallelujah, glory to your name. God designed male and female. He didn't design male and male. He designed female and female. He said, it's not good that Adam is alone, so I'll bring along Eve. Why? Because I have an intent for male and female. Because that's where the family starts. Hallelujah, glory to your name. I don't care what the adoption papers say. The family starts with male and female. I don't care what the laws of today are. They, see, the standard of God doesn't change even though we do. I don't care what the laws of today are. I, God, say, he says, I started with male and female for purpose. I'm a God of purpose. So if you're a male, you're a male. On purpose. Don't try to change it. I don't care what your mind says. God is greater than your mind. I don't care what your imagination says. God is greater than your imagination. You weren't created by your mind. You weren't created by your imagination. The designer is God. Female, stay female. Hallelujah. Glory to you. We're in church. Nobody thinks that way. You are out of your mind. That's why we've got to talk about the word. You're out of your mind. You need to understand, you are who you are supposed to be. You don't need to change anything. So it starts with male and female. And then male and female in covenants start the family. Glory to your name. So male and female get together, they start a family, and God says, now I have a means by which the knowledge of me is passed on from generation to generation. I tell you this, the family is the epicenter of what God is doing with man. If you ever study earthquakes or ever hear about earthquakes, when, you know, there's, there's a big earthquake and you hear the shock waves all over the place, well, then they're going to talk about the epicenter. Where did it all start? Where do those shock waves come from? If God is moving among men, he's going to start with the family. The family is the epicenter. It's the center of activity of what God is doing with man. So if God is not moving in our society, guess what? Somebody's out of position. Somebody's away from the design. Somebody has forsaken the model by which they were designed. And I like family because family is father's house. Amen. Glory to your name. Now, now I, I will tell you this. 
that, that, that father can go so far, but then the rest of the family has a will of their own. See, choices. See, somebody in the position. You know, there are rebel children out there. I know none of you ever understood anything about rebellion, but believe it or not, there's some rebellious children out there. And some children are out of place and out of position. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You know, we're going to talk about all of this. Because male, once you get married, stay in your role. Female, once you get married, stay in your role. Children, once you have parents, you don't have a choice in the matter, but that's who God chose for you. Stay in your role. Honor your father and mother. Don't forget the first commandment with promise. There are other commandments that came before, but this was the first with promise. That it may be well with thee. Because if you don't like my choice and you rebel against my choice, that's God, it's not going to be well with you. You see, but if, if male is out of position as a husband, female is out of position as a wife, male is out of position as a father, female is out of position as a mother, children out of position as children, then God can't move. He has, to, he has to work in special ways. God shouldn't have to work in special ways. You know, when we talk about near misses, if it had not been, if you had just paid attention to the family God had put you in, maybe it would have been such a close call. Yeah, this is, but I made it. Yeah, but you barely made it. You were this close to not making it. There's no way to live. So the family is God's design. God has an intended position for the family. The family is the intended means by which God remains known in the earth. Do you see this? I don't know if you see it like I see it. But when I see God taken out of our society, I see families that are messed up. Man, I don't want to go here, but again, you know, I'm, a, I'm African American. That's what they call me, whatever. You know, these are just titles they put on you. Uh, but, but, you know, when I look at my people, can I go there now? When I look at my people now, I think back to, you know what? But a lot of my people started out in church. A lot of my people started out with worship. A lot of my people started out with no shame of standing for God and trusting in Him. But now I see us and I understand family has been wrecked. And what can I do? I just have control over my family. And I'll start there. God will do much with a few. So I'm not worried about them necessarily, but they do teach me something. I've got to be in place. I've got to stay with his purpose. I've got to stay with his design. I've got to stay in position. So the family is the intended means by which God remains known in the earth. See, God designed male and female to the intent that the family would pass down the knowledge of God from generation to generation. That's purpose. That's purpose. The intent of the design, the model, and our position. God designed the family. There's purpose behind the family. And that purpose is that we would pass down the knowledge of God from generation to generation. Now turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 2. Now purpose is going to come up later, obviously. That's why it's one of those key terms I wanted to go over. But now I want to talk about the world. I want to talk about the world. 
we throw terms out there. It, it's funny. Um, in my secular job, I have a, uh, a new manager coming in. And you can see the new manager shake his head. It's because we use all these acronyms. Because we know we, we, we use, you know, three, three letters to talk about something. And, you know, he's coming from outside like, what in the world are you talking about? You know, sometimes we get that way in the church. We, we get so accustomed to using these terms. And people are coming from wherever they're coming from. They're like, what in the world are you talking about? And so, you know, this has been a prominent subject for us. It always is. But I want to just take a little time and just step back because it is going to take a, uh, play a, a key role in us understanding the purpose and call of God on the family. I just want to look at the world. You know, this, the term world, um, it is predominantly used, or when we use it, it's predominantly found in the New Testament. Right? Okay, well, stay with me. Because we're always telling our children about the world. <laughs> and when we use it, if you find the scriptures, most of those scriptures are going to be found in the New Testament. But in this, I want to make sure that we understand some things. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we're told to not love the world. So the question is, what is the world that we're not supposed to be loving? Now, this word world here in 1 John 2 and 15, it is the Greek word cosmos. Okay? And I want you to understand about cosmos and the term world in the New Testament. It is used in three different contexts. Okay? It is used in three different contexts. Here's, here's what you have to understand about context. You know, they had the spelling bee where they ended up in a tie here recently. You know, when, if you ever watched the spelling bee before, these children know how to spell and they know the origin of these words. And, and you know, in the middle of it, it may seem like they are just kind of uh, 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 trying to pause or create a little time when they say, can you use that word in a sentence? Because if you use it in a sentence, then I can get the context and I can put it in its right place and I can put the word together. Then I can get it together. Then. And so we have to make sure when we see the word world, we put it in its proper context. But it's used in three different contexts in the New Testament. Now keep your ribbon there in 1 John chapter 2 and turn to Acts chapter 17. The book of Acts chapter 17. Because remember, 1 John 2 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now look in Acts 17, verse 24. It says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Now, 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 now stop right there and think about it. So 1 John chapter 2 says, don't love the world. Don't love the cosmos. Acts 17 and 24 says God made the cosmos. Context. First context. Here in Acts 17 and 24, it's referring to the world as the entirety of the planet and its inhabitants. The entirety of the planet and its inhabitants. That's one of the contexts. 
by which the term world is used. So you see, this can't be the same thing mentioned over in 1 John 2 and 15. But it's the same word cosmos. But God made this cosmos. So it's talking about the entirety of the planet, the earth, and its inhabitants. See, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. It is the entirety of the planet and its inhabitants. Now turn back to 1 John chapter 2 again. Verse 15 again says, love not the world. Don't love this cosmos. Now, so this is not the same context as used in Acts 17 and 24. But I want to take you through a couple of other scriptures so we can find out what this term really means. Keep your ribbon there. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse. Let's start at verse 29. We're going to read through verse 31. Verse 29 says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29 says, But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this cosmos, they that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. Now, this is used in the same context as 1 John chapter 2. And it says here that this cosmos, that this world has a fashion. Stay with me. This world has a fashion. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. I'm trying to understand this. Ephesians chapter 2. So, in 1 Corinthians 7 and 31, it talks about the same world. And it says this world has a fashion. You, know, you can say it has a style. You know, certain people have a certain style. They have a way about them. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 2. Well, start at verse 1. 1 and 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this cosmos. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So in 1 Corinthians 7, it says this world has a fashion. Ephesians 2 and 2 says this world has a course. It has a fashion and it has a course. Let me tell you, when you look up the word cosmos, the word cosmos means orderly arrangement. There's an arrangement to it. It's a way that it's ordered. It has... A, a, it means adorning or decoration. It has a certain look to it. So we see it has a fashion. We see it has a course. We see the word at its core means adorning, decoration. So here is the world as used in context in 1 John 2 and 15. It is the arrangement. 
It is the fashion. It refers to the popular practices and flow of this present age. The world is the arrangement. It is the fashion. It refers to the popular practices and flow of this present age. Let that sink in. It is an arrangement. It is a fashion. It refers to the popular practices and flow of this present age. I'm going to say that again. It refers to the arrangement. It refers to the fashion. It refers to the popular practices. We call that the course and flow of this present age. Turn back to 1 John 2 and 15. It says, love not the world. Now we have to understand in this context, it's not talking about the entirety of this planet and the inhabitants. It's talking about the arrangement. It's talking about the, uh, the fashion. It's talking about the popular practice and the flow of this present age. Don't love it. Neither the things that are in the world. So, so again, so the question is now, why should we not love this arrangement? Why should we not love this fashion? Why should we not... Love these popular practices and the flow of this present age. Because the world is friend and partner to the flesh. I'm going to bring you into remembrance of some things. Remember, the flesh is where your ungodly desires dwell. And the flesh wants you bound by sin. The flesh wants you ruled by sin. And so the flesh has a friend in the world. See, the flesh likes that which makes you feel good. With no, with no care for the consequences and the end thereof. If it feels good, you ought to do it. Well, the world says, I will supply you with that which feels good. Now, now, now listen, here you are, you say you're a born-again individual. <laughs> And I'm not saying that you're not. I'm not your judge. So here you are, a born-again individual. It means we are now born of the Spirit. You know, we've been trying to emphasize this to you. Though you're born of the Spirit, doesn't mean you're rid of the flesh. Just say amen. <laughs> doesn't mean you're rid of the flesh. There's still a place in you that has ungodly desires. You know, and it keeps knocking and coming. Let me out. Let me out. Let me play. But you're not rid of that flesh. And the flesh just wants to do that which excites it. So the flesh goes after that which excites, and the world provides the tools to get it excited. <laughs> See, there's purpose in the world. <laughs> See, there's a certain arrangement <laughs> with this world. The fashions are on purpose. The popular practices on purpose, and there's a flow. And if you can get caught up in that flow, then your flesh can get out. So when it says in 1 John 2 and 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, it's telling us, do not fall in love and become intoxicated with the things that entice you by the senses. 
Don't fall in love and become intoxicated. You know, intoxicated means you're in too deep now. It's not just a drink. You've taken too much in. You're overcome with it. So don't fall in love and become intoxicated with the things that entice you by the senses. See, because that's what excites you. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name, God. We come into the church wanting to be excited. Where did we get that from? We got caught up in the flow. Oh, no, you don't hear me. See, because you want to get up and shout right now. Give me something to shout about. <laughs> Why do you want to be so excited? Other churches do it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're going someplace here. So don't fall in love and become intoxicated with the things that entice you by the senses. That's what you will find in the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, see that appeals to your flesh, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Again, different context in Acts 17 and 24. Now, he made the entirety of this planet, but he did not put this arrangement in order for this present age. So don't fall in love and become intoxicated with the things that entice you by the senses. That's the world. And I want to, now I'm going to say this. <laughs> Not all that is in the world is sin. <laughs> not all that is in the world is sin. Now it's not of the Father, but it's not sin. Amen. But here's what the devil does. The devil works in subtlety. That old serpent, the devil, he works in subtlety. And here's what he does. He first gets you to accept the practices that aren't sinful. And that gives him a leg in so that the next practice he put, puts in, and it won't be a drastic change. It'll be a small change. It'll be a small movement. And then you just flow with that. And next thing you know, you're caught up in the tide. Let's slow walk you down. And so what happens is you'll accept certain practices and it will get to a place where you stop challenging the practices. We become so accustomed to following. Here's how he slow walks us down. We become so accustomed to following what the world does. We just do what they do. Amen. We just end up doing what they do, saying what they say, mm, mm, mm. agreeing with what they agree with, fighting for the same causes they fight for. Don't fall in love with, don't get intoxicated with the things that entice you by the senses. Now, I'm going to ask this question. And I don't know what kind of answer I'm going to get, so I'm, I'm just going to ask you to find out. Uh, there's a thing called ChristianMatch.com, right? Okay. I, I'm not getting any help. But I think there's a thing called ChristianMatch.com that's out there, right? And I'm asking, and this is a serious question. Is ChristianMatch.com a sin? Is 
Uh, let me ask you this way. Raise your hand if you think ChristianMatch.com is a sin. So, so let the records record that no one thinks it's a sin in here. And I'm not saying it is a sin. But now my question is, if it's not a sin, that's fine. But it is, a, is it of God? Then where did we get it from? Oh, we're just doing what they did. But it's not sin. But there's a flow. And it's not a God. And it's not sin. But it has purpose behind it. It's intended to slowly move you away and get you caught up with all the practices, with all the arrangement, with all the fashion, with all the popular practices and the flow of this world. Now, the world does impact us, whether you know it or not. I know a lot of us try to deny it, but you know, the clothes you wear, oh, you know, it gets quiet there. Like, what you talking about? I'm an original. <laughs> I design my own clothes. No, you don't. <laughs> At least not most of you. You wear what's on the rack. Because <laughs> you go to the store and they say, here's what's on the rack. Here's what the world is wearing today. Here are your choices. Now, is that sin? No, it's not sin. But here's what I want you to Never stop challenging anything you're receiving that originates from the world. See, because we start to blindly accept the popular clothing practices, whatever they're wearing. <laughs> you know, I remember Pastor always saying he likes please, but I love please. I really do. I hate, I'm sorry, but this is, those are strong words, aren't they? But I hate unpleated <laughs> pants. I really do. And so I will go out of my way to try to find it because somebody is selling some old stuff somewhere. <laughs> and I'll be able to get it somehow, especially nowadays stuff online. Right? But that's just me. I just like it, right? And again, here's me. Take it or leave it. But I don't like stuff that tries to expose too much stuff. Amen. Hallelujah to your name. But we blindly accept the popular practices of the world, and then suddenly they start wearing tight stuff, and we're well, well, it was all the world's doing, so let me do it too. Before, you know, when the world was just wearing everything covered, now suddenly, now we got midriffs. <laughs> now we got tube tops. And we just do it. Now, and again, here, here we go. Are you saying that's sin? Did I say all that's in the world is sin? But I hear First John 2 say, love not the world. Again, but we're like, well, if I'm going to buy something, buy it off the rack. And he said, love not the world. See, we're in it. But we don't have to be of it. Amen. So it starts with, you know, the clothing. You know, I was in the barbershop the other day and, you know, I shouldn't go here. Yeah, I'll go here. But, you know, the sliders nowadays. Men wearing sliders. I'm like, I, I remember growing up, I never saw sliders out in public. Never. Those were house shoes. And I'm not saying if you wear sliders, it's your, I'm not saying it's sin. I'm just saying, now look how the flow has taken over. Again, don't, I'm not hating on sliders. It's not for me. I'm sorry. It's just not for me. <laughs> Amen. 
They get in their house shoes. You know, Sarah came over one day and saw me in Crocs, right? And I don't like Crocs, but they're comfortable, and I don't wear them in public. <laughs> they're house shoes for me. <laughs> I, just, I just can't, I can't go there. But I'm not saying anything is wrong with it. I'm just saying the world does impact us, and the enemy starts with these things, and it slowly pushes us further and further into the flow and into the popular practices. So we start wearing what they wear, and the next thing you know, we get tatted when they get tatted. Oh, my goodness, here we go. And again, what did I say at the beginning? The standard remains the same, though we don't. And again, is getting a tattoo a sin? Ooh, let me not ask that question. Don't answer that too quick. (laughs) In your mind, it may not be, but let's say it's not a sin. Where'd you get it from? And is it of God? Now, why did you, you were the first one to come up with the idea of a tattoo? Or did you see somebody else with it? And what did I say at the beginning? What did I say at the beginning? Don't be condemned. You can't go back. Well, maybe you can. Hopefully you can go back and untattoo yourself. But if you can't, you got it now. Again, it does not determine whether or not you go to heaven. How about that? Calm yourself down. What we want to do is find out and make the right choice today. God, what is your standard? I may have been away from it yesterday, but today I will hear your voice. I will not harden my heart. I'll make the right choice. I'll choose a relationship with you. So we get tatted when they get tatted. Then we start to get pierced when they get pierced. Woo! Again, you know, know, volume just... Clothing, ah, yeah, we're all right. Tattoos, wait a minute now, you... Piercings? What's wrong with piercings? Again... Where'd you get it from? Why are you doing it? Oh, it's, it's just a, it, you know, the tattoos that were always a popular offense was, it's, it's art. You know, it sounds so nice. But, but let, me, let me tell you this. Oh, my goodness. People who get piercing in certain places, they do make statements. Well, I didn't get that piercing for that statement, but people who get piercings make those statements. Oh, no, you're missing me. I'm going to sound as prejudiced as they come right now. There's a certain element that get piercings. There's a certain element that get tattoos. Now you look like one of them. That's not right. You know, I had somebody at the job once talking. He had tattoos, well, whatever. So he's going to defend his tattoos. But he was, he was talking about it, and there's some shred of truth in it. But still, you've got to question some of these things. He says, now, too many people judge you by how you look. Now, there's a shred of truth in that. But at the same time, you come up here with your pants sagging down. I'm not hiring you for my company. Why? Because there's a certain element that's associated with what that is. And I don't want that element to be associated with me. And people who get piercings, people who get tattoos, there's a certain element whether you know it or not. And you don't want to be associated with that. That's prejudice. All people aren't like that. But you know what I found in the Old Testament? You need to look it up. Deuteronomy chapter 14. In fact, no, I'm going to turn there. How about that? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse number one. Ye are the children of the Lord, your God. You shall not cut yourselves, 
Don't make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. He says, you won't cut yourselves because you're my children. You're members of my family. And the children of God don't do that. Why do they not do that? Because there are people who do that and they're not my children. They don't follow my practices. They don't follow after my design. You will not be associated with them. It sounds like God was kind of prejudiced. But you know, we start out with clothing and clothing is not a sin. <laughs> but we blindly accept that. And then he pulls in, well, here's tattoos. Everybody's getting tattoos. Everybody, everybody was wearing what you're wearing, so why don't you get tattoos with everybody else? Then let me get tattoos. I don't challenge it. See, that's me loving the world. Wow. Glory to your name, God. You know, entertainment is not sin. Leisure is not sin. You know it's not, right? You hope it's not. Because <laughs> you like your entertainment. You like your leisure. But then all of a sudden, it, it, the, the world says, you know, we have parties for our leisure. Amen? Amen. Parties aren't a sin, people. You, know, you, you get people all tight. Like, what's it going to say about my parties? I'm a party here. Parties themselves are not. We, we party here. We're, it's all right. <laughs> Parties themselves are not a sin. But then suddenly, there's a flaw. And suddenly, there's not a party unless there's alcohol. <laughs> and then, you know, and then suddenly the, the term of social drinker comes out. Well, you know, I just socially drink. No, at, at leisure. That's all, you know, n- nothing beyond that. Or, or no, social, recreational, that's what they call it. Recreational drinking. No, no, a little bud here. <laughs> you, know, you know, a little alcohol here and there. It doesn't hurt anybody. And then the next thing you know, well, you know, if you, if you drink recreational, why don't you have a happy hour? Amen? And then it gets to a point where we'll think something wrong with you if you don't drink alcohol. You know, they want to do things at work. Always centered around alcohol. And again, I, I, I understand some of you think there's no way in the world they could ever get me with alcohol. But there's some believer out there who doesn't recognize and has not challenged and they will defend their alcohol drinking to the end. And again, did I say all that is in the world is sin? But is it of God? And then there's a certain element that drinks all the time and they end up in clubs. And suddenly you find yourself in the clubs with them. You know, the people who go to clubs, they also have tattoos. They also have piercings. Oh, glory to your name, God. Oh, I know I'm hitting some spots now. So here I am, a believer. I've got tattoos with the world. Here I am, a believer. I recreational drink with the world. Here I am, a believer. Now I find myself in the club atmosphere with the rest of the world. What happened? You're falling in love with the world. You know, one of the things that gets me is how they get our children. That is one of the ways of the world. Uh, you know, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar got them young. Brought them to the king's palace young. Why? Because I want to introduce you to the arrangement. The fashion. The popular practices and the flow of this present age. Wants to start them out young. And so, you know, as parents, you better watch your children. See, what they will do, what the world will do will get their favorite teacher to promote. 
I'll just say homosexuality. They'll get their favorite teacher to promote it. And then what they'll do is they'll, they'll get it into your children's favorite TV program. And then they'll set up support programs at school. See, we've got to teach our children to challenge at every step. It's because then, because it's, the teachers are promoting it, it's on their favorite programs, the schools are supporting it. So guess what? Now their best friends get involved with it. And then the world at the same time is trying to teach them to not listen to their parents. So when the world finally says, come and be a part, they'll challenge not only their parents, they'll challenge their, their spiritual elders. But what's happened is the world is catching our children in the flow. Mm. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Hmm. Now look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because I said there were three, right? Well, actually, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's do this real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Two passages of scripture, and we'll end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this age hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Those in the world, those in this cosmos, those in this flow, they are blinded by the God of this world, by the God of this age. They are blinded. If you fall in love, if you become intoxicated, you'll get blinded too. Last scripture, because I said three contexts. Last scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world, reconciling the cosmos unto himself. Now, now, I want you to understand this. He's not reconciling the arrangement. He's not reconciling the fashion. He's not reconciling the popular practices and the flow of this present age. What's he referring to as world there? Third context. The individuals who follow the flow of the world blindly. So there's the earth and they that dwell therein. And then there's the arrangement, the fashion the popular practices and the flow of this present age, and then there are those who follow that flow blindly. God wants them. Glory to your name. God wants them. See, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. The world blinds them who are caught up in it. Don't get caught up. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.